If there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the ra- realities that unify us are already there. Christ praying for unity. What should we be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys in uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when he, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with your other co-host, the one and only TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Hello. Yeah. Today, we're going to have a very interesting discussion with uh, Dr. Keith Sherlin is returning and he's brought a friend, Pastor Brandon Moore. We're going to talk a lot about the millennia and how people kind of differ the millennia in Revelation. They're going to explain exactly what that is if you don't know. But uh, just talking about how the divisions have happened in the church over pre, mid or post trib and how we can have unity despite disagreeing in that, which I, I believe Dr. Sherlin and Pastor Brandon are on different sides. So. They'll be able to answer that pretty directly for us. Kind of excited to hear about that. But before we do, we like to uh, kind of just review some of what our audience has been up to lately. Uh, and today, I'd just like to mention that Celeste on our Facebook group, when we asked, what is your least favorite book? Told us all what a lot of people were probably thinking. Not your least favorite book, the least favorite book you had to read for school. She said, The Scarlet Letter, which I feel like a lot of people probably feel that way. Uh, I, I didn't feel that way. I just kind of tolerated the book. I didn't dislike it or like it. It just kind of existed, you know, but, uh, I know a lot of people didn't really like that. It's kind of seemed long, longer than necessary. Uh, anyway, that means that we're going to, that brings us to today's silly question, which, uh, we will let, uh, we'll let pastor Brandon and Dr. Sherilyn answer this one, uh, if they're up to it, but, uh, me and TJ will answer first, give y'all time to think about it. What is your least favorite bird? Uh, TJ, do you want me to go first or you want to go first? Uh, you can go first. It doesn't. Yeah. All right. So uh, this one's pretty easy for me. Growing up, uh, a lot of t- my time growing up was in northern Florida, where there is a ton of woodpeckers. And everywhere you go, you just hear constant pecking. <laughs> and I know a lot of people love woodpeckers, but I'll just let you know, I don't. They are easily my least favorite bird. Woodpeckers are so cool, though. Anyway. I know, uh, but I just got so tired yeah, of them. My my least favorite is probably a mockingbird. It they're just I don't get it. I don't know why they constantly exist. Constantly mocking. They they bother me. They just copy everything okay. and they have their own song. Like they have their hmm. own call and they just so they don't need to do it. No. Hmm. But you know that's that's just why, you know. Uh Dr. Sherlin, do you have a least favorite bird? I don't know if I do. I guess it'd probably be a tie between a crow and a parrot. I can't stand a parrot if it is annoying. You know, just every time you speak, it parrots something back at you. That drives me nuts. So <laughs> I hate yeah. a parrot, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. Uh, Pastor Brandon, we'll go ahead and let you answer this one, too, uh, if you'd like. Uh, what Do you have a least favorite bird? Well, I would used to say that, and I'm not sure, is, is a rooster a bird? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm a big Gamecock fan, so right now they're about my least favorite bird. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that checks out. Um, my wife, when I came up with this question, said seagull, which I, I'm just surprised nobody else thought that. Yeah, they, they get on people's nerves. Yeah, they're like pigeons, but worse, and pigeons are cool. It's whatever. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, let's get into it. Uh, so, Dr. Sherlin, it's been about a half of a year since you were last on the show. Uh, what have you been up to since September? Uh, preparing for a big debate coming up that uh, Pastor Brandon and I are in, working steadily on that. We'll be working on it again tonight. We're in a, a major debate on the subject of hail, uh, kind of a yeah. uh, tough subject to study. It's heartbreaking to think about it. But we've been steadily preparing and uh, dealing with this subject. We're debating two annihilationists who believe that the mm-hmm. soul that goes to hell will eventually be extinguished or annihilated. Hmm. Nice. Bit of a hot subject. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Uh, where, where can people hear that debate if they wanted to? 
at the Whale Church in Landrum, South Carolina. Uh, it's on March the 20th. Um, it'll be from 5.30 to uh, 8.30 p.m. And then it will also be broadcast on the Whale's um, Facebook live stream link. Awesome, awesome. All right. So, uh, you know, asking you about what you've been up to in the last year, uh, what, what have been some of the greatest blessings and challenges that you faced since September? Well, I think we've all still been dealing with the, the, the virus situation. It's been really tough on everybody since 2020. It's been difficult. I've just had to cut back a lot of things I've been doing just for the simple fact of my mom being 80. So I've been mm. um, trying to be real cautious until she gets her vaccine. So it's just been a difficult time for a lot of people that uh, even uh, somebody that I know that all of us are praying for right now is in the hospital with double pneumonia from it. So it's a, mm. it's a tough situation for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. We had a lot in our family, too. So. All right. Uh, In September, you talked about a book project that you were working on. Uh, How has that been coming along? Yeah, the um, the patriarchy counterpoint book on marriage and how to deal with Old Testament marriages. Um, We're in the final stages of it. Uh, We just had a nice meeting with all of our editors um, over the holidays and we're in the final stages of putting together questions for the two theologians that are in the book and the, in the debate. Um, so we're probably about 80%, 85% done and, um, making good progress with it. It's been a very enlightening study for everybody, all the editors included. We've, um, been greatly blessed by trying to examine this and come to a conclusion on how to handle this, uh, topic from the Bible that oftentimes is, um, not something that's very common for us in America, but it is in a lot of other countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing really nice about having return guests is, you know, just kind of getting to hear what they've been up to. You know, I I hope our guests, our audience feels the same way. You know, it's, it's a lot of times, you know, we talk to some of our guests almost exclusively on the podcast. So it's kind of nice to just be like, oh, OK, so that's what's been going on in their life. Well, kind of like a follow up. I'd like that on some some movies. Lion King, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, what happened when Simba got old? I, I'd like to know how he's doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's always good to. Good to hear how everybody's been doing. Um, so now we're going to kind of get to the meat of it, right? Uh, we talked about, you, you mentioned to me, wanting to discuss the millennia that happens in the end times of the book of Revelation talks about. Uh, could you describe for our listeners what the millennia is and what are the varying views? And uh, we can let you guys collaborate on this one since that's kind of why Pastor Brandon's here today as well. <laughs> yeah, well, Pastor Brandon's a, a pastor. They're one of my pastors at the church there. And um he and I have had more conversations on this. It's probably, uh, I, I, since I'm bad at math, I probably can't count the number of times he and I have <laughs> had these conversations on this subject. But uh, basically three views, uh, the post-millennial view, someone like would representative of that would be someone like Dr. Kenneth Gentry. Um, then you have the pre-millennial views you would have in that group, people like Wayne Grudem and Dr. Charles Ryrie, Dr. Grudem, Dr. Ryrie. And then you have in the amillennial view people from, scholars like Dr. B.B. Warfield to, uh, I think, Dr. Sam Storms today. So uh, R.C. Sproul was probably in that camp. Um, and these are the three uh, main views for the end times. The post-mill believes that Christ's church will rent, win over the world, and then that will usher in a golden age, either a thousand years or a long period of time where the church will rule the world. Then you have the uh, pre-mill view, which says that Christ will return and then he will rule and reign from Jerusalem and set up a kingdom on earth for a thousand years and he'll have vice regents, people across the globe that will rule and reign for him as the government's under his authority. And then you have the amill view, which says that either we're in the kingdom now or the kingdom of God is uh, just a long period of time where Christ rules and reigns on his throne from heaven, and then he'll return and set up the new heavens and new earth. Uh, little variations there on how they explain whether the kingdom's here now or whether it's functioning from Christ on the throne of heaven. But those are your three main views. Okay. And just to backtrack a little bit, what is the millennia? It's the subject of the rule of Christ for the millennium means a thousand years. Okay. Where, where is that found? Well, it depends on who you ask. Uh, for those of us, <laughs> I mean, like in the me, Bible, <laughs> yeah. 
for those of us like me, we believe it's stated in the Old Testament that Christ would return and rule from the land of Israel. And the time period specifically stated would be from Revelation chapter 20. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Now, I, I'd like you both to answer this one. <laughs> this is going to sound really simple, I'm sure, but why, why does it matter? You know, for our everyday listener or, you know, your everyday layperson who just goes to church and tries to do the right thing, why, why do they care about the millennium? Well, I, I think because it's in the Bible, first of all, we care about the Bible. <laughs> yeah, and, that makes sense to me. Um, you know, because every word of Scripture, Jesus said live by every word of Scripture because it's in the Bible. is something that believers should take and try to understand. I like what Dr. Ryrie told me one day uh, in a letter. He wrote back to me and said, I tell my students that I'd rather them be amillennial than panmillennial. Some people just are pan-millennial. They believe it'll all just pan out in the end, and they don't have a view. And mm-hmm. he said, I'd rather someone be amillennial, even if not pre-millennial, than to come up with just a relativistic view where they don't care because the Bible cares about it. God thought enough of us and enough of the subject to write about it. We should, too. We should have that same type of perspective to care about it. Mm-hmm. All right. So did you have something to say, Josh? <laughs> I was just going to ask for a— uh... Pastor, if Pastor Brandon had anything he wanted to add to that uh, about why why it matters to our, our everyday person. Well, the sad thing is that, from my experience being a you know a hands on pastor, talking with uh, with believers on a on a daily basis, the sad thing is that <clears throat> most people they don't think it matters, and that's really sad because I would I would just echo Keith on the first point he made is that it's in scripture and, and we should all have a, a great passion for understanding scripture for, you know, Christ is the word made flesh. And so the better we can understand scripture, the better we can obviously understand Christ. But also piggybacking off of some of what Keith said is that it really affects how you live your day-to-day life. Um, so what you'll find even in descriptions that, that, um, Dr. Sherlin had laid out for each view um, that has consequences or maybe not consequence as the right word, but it has an effect on the way that you live your life. So if you're a post millennial and you believe that the church will take over um, the world, then that's, that's a for a far more optimistic view than say, and uh, Keith may, he may want to, to disagree with me and that's fine. <laughs> uh, but that's a lot more optimistic view and, and it may cause the post-millennial to interact with everyday man and his surroundings uh, politically, in business, evangelistically, whatever it might be, that he has hope that there will be a, a great awakening and a, and a takeover uh, by God's people. Uh, the uh, the, the millennial, uh, which that's where I land right now, um, would they really see a, a, it's a two kingdom view. Uh, so in, in amillennialism, we believe it, it's really, it should be renamed, but not to take too long. I won't get into that, but we just, we don't believe that there's no millennium. We just believe that the millennium is now and that Christ is ruling and reigning. And, th- and there's disagreement on this, but I would say that Christ is ruling and reigning right now he's seated at the right hand of the father on the throne so he's on the throne now but also he's reigning from heaven uh in believers as he has we're indwelt by the holy spirit that the kingdom of god is here now in the believer and in the church Uh, but we also the two kingdom view is that it's an already not yet and so while the kingdom of god is advancing here on earth the we we also or at least I do hold that the tribulation is is now too. John in the book of Revelation says, "I, your brother and fellow partaker of the tribulation and the kingdom." And so, as the kingdom of God grows, so does the the kingdom of this world, so to speak, and the enemy gets stronger. And so, you see this great divide between the church and between sinners and and the the organization, so to speak, of this world. So that would affect someone's worldview as well. Uh, so in great suffering, if we know that the kingdom is is now and it's going to prevail and even through persecution and through tribulation, that the church gains its greatest ground in our weaknesses, his strength made perfect, then that would affect how you live day to day. 
And in the pre-millennial view, um, I would just have to say it's a glorious inconsistency because Keith is one of the hardest working, most optimistic guys I've ever known. That's why I can't <laughs> understand why he is a dysfunctional uh, um, theologian. But um, most people would at least um, uh, they would, I, I guess, that they would make um, an accusation against the dispensational or even the pre-mill is that. Um, this world is is not under the control of Christ now. Um, that Christ, this you know the kingdom of God hasn't broken in, but we're waiting on the time when Christ would come back to set up the kingdom. And so, in dispensationalism, the vast majority of the proponents today would say that it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And so, they've been tasked to answer the question, "Well, why even try?" And so, I think that's one of the biggest um, oppositions that you know, dispensationalism or premillennialism has to overcome. So that, you know, that's a kind of a short answer, but that's my take on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so we did also, you've kind of already touched on it, but uh, we did want to ask what y'all's views were on the subject personally. Uh, so if, you know, Brandon, if you'd like to go first, Pastor Brandon, that'd be quite all right sure. with me. Um, well, I, I'm an amillennialist, and uh, I have been for quite some time now. I did, and I think it's just by default that everyone in the Bible Belt that, that I know of kind of starts out as a premillennial, probably dispensationalist, because that's been the common view in this area. And it is. I, I, I would even uh, give that to Keith that uh, it's it's kind of, well, he would argue with this too, but it's kind of the new kid on the block um, as far as you know, theology goes in, in historically, but um, nevertheless, it's the it's the majority view around here. And so it was kind of, you know, I went from dispensationalism, premillennialism to amillennialism as my understanding of scripture and the hermeneutic that I understand to be employed with the scriptures uh, to be one that is more spiritual in nature and that scripture would uh, give us the understanding of Scripture. So Scripture interprets Scripture. Um, so we we view the Old Testament, the prophecies, uh, the text through the lens of what Christ has already done and and the truths that Christ's kingdom is is now. So yeah, I'm an amillennialist, and um, I'm I'm fairly firm there. Uh, but I do hold this as an open handed issue, and that's why Keith and I we have a good time with each other. Just giving each other a hard time and challenging one another. And I will say that um, I have learned a tremendous amount from Dr. Sherlin and, and just interacting with him. And it's it's made me uh, have to offer more support for my views. So I don't know if he likes that, but he's secured me <laughs> in my amillennialism as we have debated and talked. But. Hey guys, we just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a few ways you can support the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast. Yeah, so you can always rate this show on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. You can sign up for our newsletter either on our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. You could follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You could share this episode on your own social media. You could donate to our Cash App with the tag in the show notes. You could follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast, or you could subscribe to this show wherever good podcasts are found. Yeah, especially that last one. That's you know, probably the easiest way to make sure you get all the episodes when they come out. Yeah, and to show us that you really love us. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to the show. Indeed. Right. And uh, Dr. Sherlin, if you wouldn't mind sharing your view on the subject. So, uh, and I, again, stress what Brandon said there, uh, you know, our conversations about this over the years, we've had many conversations about this, and there's a lot of areas that we do agree on in this area, and um, we work very well together in this, and I think that's a sad point that when eschatology, as he just mentioned, it's an open-handed issue, um, some believers elevate this to an essential status. And the only essential status of this is that Christ is going to return in the future and he will rule and reign. That's right. And Brandon and I both agree with that. We unify around our disdain against preterism, the full preterists who say that Christ has already returned and there will be no future resurrection, no future bodily return. That's the orthodox 
view that we hold and we're opposed to anything that detracts from that and we realize that both of our views do not uh, violate any orthodox standard of the Christian faith so we're able to unify around that and I'll say this and then I'll explain my view. Dr. Ryrie made this statement one time. He said, some doctrines are more important than others. So it behooves us not to cut off our fellowship from those who share similar views about these important doctrines. There are few enough these days who believe in the fundamentals of the faith. And to ignore those who have declared themselves on the side of truth of God is unwise. Mm. Something is wrong with our circles of fellowship, sense of priority or doctrine of unity when conservatives view fellow conservatives as the opposition party and then find their theological friends among those who are teaching and promoting error. And hmm. so I gladly join hands with the gospel and the primary eschatological truth that Christ is going to return bodily in the future and set up a kingdom of some sort. And Brandon and I affirm that tenaciously, and we stand side by side together in the conservative doctrines of historic Christian faith. And I say that up front because it's important when I explain what I mean by being a premillennialist. It does not mean that I believe we should cut off fellowship from those who aren't exactly lined up with us on this. As D.O. Moody once said, let us not divide in fellowship over if our time of our watches on the time of Christ's return isn't the same. Someone believes it's 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock. We still can unite on a lot of other truths to defend the gospel. Hmm. And Pastor Brandon and I both uh, sincerely affirm the importance of that. Now, as to why I'm a premillennialist, I had the reverse experience. I was more amillennial than I was premillennial. <laughs> and I left amillennial views as I studied the Reformation and the hermeneutic of a consistent hermeneutic from Genesis to Revelation. And I discovered something as I became a church historian, a historical systematic theologian. And that was all those who knew the apostles were premillennial. That was a huge issue. Hmm. Uh, when you have someone like um, Justin Martyr who says, um, well, uh, I'll give his quote next. Well, yeah, here's one of his quotes. He says, Justin Martyr said, there was a certain man with us named John, one of the apostles of Christ who prophesied by revelation that was made to him that those who believed in our Christ would dwell a thousand years in Jerusalem. And thereafter, the eternal resurrection and judgment would occur of all men and take place. He also said, I and others who are right-minded Christians are assured there will be a resurrection of the dead in a thousand years in Jerusalem, which will then be built, adorned, and enlarged as the prophets Ezekiel and Isaiah and others declare, which is a key point to our premillennial view, that if you interpret the Old Testament prophets in a normal, historical, grammatical way, they believed in a future earthly, which is spiritual. Earthly doesn't mean non-spiritual. It just means like <laughs> the earthly body of Jesus. His body's spiritual, but it's physical as well. And the resurrection body, there will be a earthly millennial kingdom where Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand years. And people like Papias believe that. Clement, Ignatius, Theophilus, Tassian, Melito, Clemens, Alexandrius, Justin Martyr, Hippolytus, Victorinus, Methodius, and Cyprian. Mm -hmm. Andy Kelly, a church historian, as well as Philip Schaff said, the early church fathers uh, who knew, um, some of them who knew the apostles and studied under them and the immediate disciples of them were premillennial. Tertullian, the systematizer of the Trinity, said, We do confess that a kingdom is promised to us upon earth, although before heaven, and will be after the resurrection of a thousand years in the divinely built city of Jerusalem. Both Ezekiel had knowledge of this and Apostle John beheld it. And that was Tertullian talking about Apostle John and also the Old Testament prophets. So, in short, I came to this conclusion when I said these people who walked with Apostle John who wrote the book of Revelation ought to have some type of insight to help us understand how we should see this. And they understood the Old Testament predictions about a future temple, a future reign of Christ in Israel. They believed those things were going to come to pass in that way, that there would be a thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth. And I believe it also is part of what Adam failed to do, Jesus will rightly do on this earth in a period of history. The new earth and new heavens is not part of history. That's outside of history. Time has become eternity, an everlasting period then. So I believe what Adam failed to do, Christ will do. Mm -hmm. And he will rule and reign over the earth and take dominion over the earth like he should. So 
those are the reasons why I wound up uh, moving from the amillennial view, view in a nutshell more to the premillennial view that it seems to me uh, that a consistent hermeneutic leads you to this, and it seems to be the early fathers as well as the apostles who taught those earliest fathers had this type of view. Right. And uh, we want to give you both a chance to answer one another. And I know our time on this topic is kind of running short, but um, I, I did want to just go ahead and clarify with you both because you kind of mentioned it. Uh, we, we've talked on our show a few times where we use uh, first, second, third tier issues, right? First tier is we can't consider each other Christian brother and sister. Second is we can't go to the same church. Third is we can go to the same church and still disagree. Um, Y'all mentioned kind of messing around with each other about this. So would you kind of – would you categorize this as a third tier issue then? Well, I hope so because if not, Brandon might excommunicate me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good to know. <laughs> Right. I would certainly put it as as a third tier issue. Um, we can we can disagree about this and and even change our views um, uh, and and still hold to the fundamental views of the Christian faith, the fundamental doctrines. Um, and there's there's no problem there. Now I'm not saying that we should just be blown around, you know, like chaff in the wind or like a tumbleweed. But I do believe that there's there's freedom here and and there's grace here. Awesome. So in what ways can this debate impact Christian unity? We've already touched on it a little bit, but. Well, I, I believe that, it, I mean, it, okay, so how can it affect Christian unity? I think it can expose um, idols. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. I think it can expose pride. I think it can expose the the need to be right. Uh, I think it can expose the um I think the the condition that we all find ourselves in to prioritize those things that shouldn't take priority. And so what I mean is yeah. that if you find a, a believer who is saying that he's very mature and saying that he loves Jesus, yet I, I have witnessed these discussions firsthand get outright evil, um, downright sinful. And if you can, if you can take this doctrine, which is clearly at least second tier, at least <laughs> second tier, but, but probably third tier. If you can take this doctrine and cut a brother off from fellowship and, and even speak harshly with him and, um, be hateful to him, then it really calls into question your own Christianity. It, it brings into question. Yeah first level doctrine. And so that's one way I think you can do it, you know, exposing that. Now, in a more positive note, I believe that as people in our congregation, because the, the fact is I preach, I believe the amillennial view is a hermeneutical view and that hermeneutic affects all of my teaching. And so I, I believe that this eschatological view is is broader than that. And it's it really frames the entire scripture. And so as I preach, a lot of the the hermeneutic that I employ and, and my eschatology finds its way into not that I preach on amillennialism all the time, but it just affects a lot of what I preach. And so I'll reference Dr. Sherlin, who's in the congregation and talk about discussions that we've had. And as they, as my congregation, as our congregation hears that and sees that, and they see the love that we have for one another, then it, it helps them to overcome disagreements and even pretty harsh disagreements, you know, possibly harsh disagreements because of the love that they see and the unity that, that they see in us, even though we differ on this issue. Mm-hmm. So that's a good point. Yeah. So if anyone was looking to see if this was an issue that you can have within the same church, it's pretty clear that you can. Oh, very yeah. clear. I reference it, you know, fairly often. All right. And there's a problem if your heart, it, it, you know, um, there's a heart problem, and Brandon mentioned that. And, and I'll tell you something, uh, you know, Brandon was preaching on a series one time, and uh, he <laughs> said to me, he said, well, man, I, I guess you don't agree with much of anything I've said in this series. On <laughs> and I said, well, I still find <laughs> certain things in there that are beneficial that I think are very helpful to me. And he said, really? And I said, yeah. I said, because even if we disagree on the timing of these things, you're still preaching on the preeminence of Christ and his character and his glory being revealed, even though we don't agree the exact timeline in which it's going to be revealed or the exact way. Mm-hmm. And he said something to me that shocked me. He said, man, that, you know, that speaks volumes 
about, and I'm not trying to promote myself here. I'm saying what just Brandon said to me, and it made me realize, you know, we need to do a better job on my side of teaching yeah. people that you can learn from people that you don't agree with. And, yeah. uh, you know, he, he, Brandon was like, you know, you've, you know, that's a, that's a good deal of maturity there that you're able to find things in this that you still agree with, even though we're on different sides of the subject on this. And I, and it kind of shocked me. I was like, well, I don't know why people wouldn't. And it, as I, as I thought about that more, I realized, you know, I think when you read the Bible and you're trying to find the character of God revealed and you don't start off with an antagonistic spirit towards someone that you know is a brother, hmm. you can learn from them. Yeah, and that's a problem of the heart, which is what Brandon was talking about. A lot of people start off with the wrong heart motive on this subject. Mm-hmm. A lot of other subjects, too. They start yeah. off with trying to disprove somebody and they want to be right instead of saying, what is God trying to teach me? Yeah. And if you start off with that agenda, you oftentimes miss something God's doing. Even if you don't agree with some of the things being said, there's still opportunity to learn and to grow from God in areas where you may not totally align with somebody. Yeah. So if someone's listening to this and they're a Clemson fan and tuned out when Pastor Brandon said the Gamecocks, then uh, <laughs> I think Dr. Keith is calling you out, guys. <laughs> oh, man. So would it be fair to um, kind of su- summarize your, your guys' views on how this affects unity? Would it be fair to say that the millennia itself might be a tertiary or third-tier issue, but your attitude towards it is a first tier. You know, either you're showing the fruits of the spirit and being a great example of unity and salvation, or you're not showing those fruits and then your salvation comes into question, right? Well, absolutely. You know, Christ, you know, the scripture says that by this, you know, that you have come to know him is that we love one another. Uh, so, you know, if you, yeah. if you can hate your brother over, you know, eschatology, then there's deeper issues. Yeah. Much bigger issues. Oh yeah. Awesome. All right, well, so, you got to you got to love uh, one of the things that that scripture is so important. I mean, one of the ways, for instance, God condemns um, um, the failure to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that's fundamental. That's one of the most important laws of the Bible. And this isn't a gospel issue. And some of this stuff. All of us will probably figure out there's some areas that we didn't have right because it's still future. There's things that haven't <laughs> yeah. happened. This isn't like something that's happened and we're looking back on it. This is still future. So there's there's latitude to be wrong on this because we're trying to put – and Jesus was real clear on this in Acts chapter 1. He said, do not worry about the times and seasons, but go and make disciples and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and other parts of the end of the earth. Um, the timing at which Christ is going to return, we know he's going to return in the future. The time at which he's going to return in the future, he said us. He taught us, don't worry so much about that. Go and be my witnesses. Go and do my work. Amen. And I know that's something that Brandon and I strive really hard to do is making sure we put the fundamentals as the fundamentals, and not dividing over secondary and third issues because that's not showing the unity of the faith. That's not doing the work of the Lord and splitting and splintering off the log you wind up with so many different streams nobody has any effectiveness or any power and that's not healthy for the body of christ or for the kingdom of god to expand which amen. we both agree is something we want to do amen amen yeah so um yeah now as we start to wrap up i know we, we've asked dr sherlin this before on the show but uh we've promised our listeners we do this every time uh if We'll let you both answer so that they can get double this time. Uh, we we like to ask for a single practical action. Everyone listening can go stop and do this one thing. It's something they can actually do that would help maintain unity in the church. What one thing would you have them do? Uh, Dr. Sholem, would you like to go first? Um. Well, it's no surprise on this show, and I know Pastor Brandon and I have talked about this a lot, and that's the, the theological triage. We affirm that um, learning to distinguish between what's prioritized, what's essential doctrine, and what's non-essential doctrine. I think that is something that's commonly said here, so I would add to that. Um, James, one of my favorite books of the Bible, it says, Be quick to hear and slow to speak. And one of the most beneficial attitudes of the heart 
is being willing to listen and trying to understand someone. Um, a lot of times when you know you're on a different page with someone, you start off and you're already trying to answer before they give their answer. You already got something in the tip of your <laughs> tongue you want to say. Yeah. Well, that's that's not that's not the fruit of the spirit. That's not being kind and gracious. That's not being loving. That's not being patient with your brothers. It's important to do active listening, to listen, to soak in everything that you can get from them. There may be some things that God is wanting you to learn from that person. Um, and what grieves my heart in, in churches, and I've been in ministry now going on 26 or 27 years, and watching people, as Brandon said a little bit ago, a sign of immaturity is people who elevate things to a level that should not uh, cause that type of controversy. And there's a lot of these issues, and it's sad. And I think by learning to prioritize your doctrine, what's really essential, and learning how to listen to your brothers with a spirit of being open to reason. James says in chapter 3 and James chapter 1, he says, be quick to hear and slow to speak. And James chapter 3 he says, be open to reason, willing to yield. These are practical steps that can help maintain the unity in the body of Christ. And that's something that's um, very lacking. Conservatives yeah. um, sometimes shoot themselves. They shoot their <laughs> own people. Yeah. Because they're so passionate for truth, they wind up, being overzealous and stepping beyond passion into damaging others. And that's dangerous. And we really need to do a better job of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I had a professor once at uh, Charleston Southern who um, actually, actually been on the show before. I talked a couple of times. Um, why am I Dr. Beck? Yeah. I was just blanking for a second, but uh, he, he told the class once he said, um, some people make theology an idol, which is a bigger issue than any theology. <laughs> so, mm, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Pastor Brandon, what one thing would you have our listeners go and do that would help better maintain church unity? Well, I believe that unity comes from the Holy Spirit. Uh, I know that may seem yeah. kind of cliche, but I believe that if if people could do just one thing, that would create unity. It would be to get alone, to seek the Lord, seek the things that are above, set their minds on the things that are above and not the things that are below and, and ask the Lord to provide faith and unity and to fill them with the Holy spirit. And, and I believe that that brings about humility because when you get into the presence of Christ, we all realize how wrong we are, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, let, let God be true and every man be a liar. But but I'll give you just one one section of scripture that I think really demonstrates this really well. And I think that humility is the key. And it's, it's Philippians chapter two, starting in verse one. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. There's that unity, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And it goes on, and that's the unity that we're talking about. It goes on to say, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. And it goes on to say that Christ is that example, uh, his death and him emptying himself. And I believe, I'll echo again what Keith said, is that so many people, they're not looking to be righteous, they're looking to be right. And we have a huge problem there because if you go into a discussion with a brother already with your answers, you know, locked, cocked and loaded, and you're just ready to fire away and you're not looking to build your brother up in love and, and seek that unity and agree to disagree where that's possible, then you're already going in with the wrong attitude. So I would say prayerfully seeking to be filled with the spirit and to be like Christ and to love your brother and be willing to listen and be slow and really hear him out and hear his heart. And if there's correction to be had, uh, then offer that, but do it in, in love and, and, and gentleness. Even in, uh, even Peter says when he talks about giving an answer, he says, you know, always be ready to give a defense for the hope that you have within you. But how does he finish that up? He says in, in peace and respect, you know, that we need to do that, uh, in, in a certain kind of way. And that's just to be like Christ. Amen. All right. Uh, what do you think we would see change 
in the church if everyone started doing that? Oh, goodness gracious. What I see, this is funny. I was riding up the road today, and I saw I was at a distance, probably a half a mile away, and I saw these two people walking side by side, and they had the exact same outfit on. (laughs) And at first I thought, here's a couple of Mormons uh, or a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses. And why did that that jump into my mind immediately? It was because – if they have disagreements, you can't hardly tell it. And I, I'm so sad to say that in the realm of at least seeming u- unity, the Mormons have us beat. And that is so sad. The Jehovah's Witnesses have us beat. Now, they weren't Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons. They were Burger King employees. <laughs> <laughs> they might also have us beat. And that's well, scary. actually, actually, this is odd. I was asked about three weeks ago to come and do a prayer service for a, a Burger King employee that had passed away. <laughs> I had no idea who they were, but I always take an opportunity. So I went and there was probably 20 Burger King employees and they were rallied around and they were of one mind. And I thought, Lord have mercy. The, the, the church of Christ needs to learn from the Burger King employees in Landrum, South Carolina. <laughs> uh, okay. I think, if we, I think if we could humble ourselves and seek the Lord and put, secondary issues, third tier and fourth tier, put them in their place and still be able to unify. I believe that the kingdom of God, I believe we'd all turn into post-millennial. What do you think, Keith? (laughs) (laughs) Amen. So uh, hopefully everyone will do as Dr. Sherlin said and humble themselves, be ready to listen and uh, listen to Pastor Brandon and uh, pray for humility in the spirit of God. And we'll see more of those conversations you're talking about as people begin to do that. That'll be great. Amen. Awesome. Amen. So the the last thing we like to do on the show before we get into the outro stuff is our God moment segment. And we just, we take a minute to share what all God has been up to with us recently, uh, either a blessing or a challenge or chance to worship. Uh, just, you know, any one event from the past, uh, we like to bring it up and, you know, Dr. Sherlin, you've done this before, Pastor Brandon, this is new for you. So maybe it's exciting. <laughs> and uh, I always like to make Josh go first, uh, unless I think yeah. I can steal his. Uh, yeah. So, Josh, if if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know we're just we're a minute over time, so I'll, I'll try and be brief. Um, I was reminded this morning, actually, of um, the, the part of the Bible where it says uh, to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and to weep with those who are weeping. Um, I found out yesterday that a kid who used to be in children's church when I was helping in children's church uh, had a, I think it's a seven month daughter who just passed away yesterday morning. And uh, I just learned that today. And um, I don't know, man, got got put a special place of heaviness on my heart today. So I've been in prayer with them a lot and uh, it's kind of reminded of that truth. So I'll use that for my God moment today and uh, I'll allow TJ to go next. All right. Uh, So uh, I spend like every other weekend at Josh's house. That's just a normal thing we do. And yeah, yeah. on my ho- way home yesterday, yeah, it was yesterday, uh, my driver's side windshield wiper broke. And, you know, okay. I don't know how that happens, but it happened. And, you know, it was raining uh, just, just enough for me to have to use it. So I tried to fix mm-hmm. it myself. You know, it would go too far in both directions. <laughs> so I, I said it. I just put it myself on the windshield where I thought it wouldn't be that big of a problem, but of course it was. So whatever, I do that a couple of times. I pull over uh, in a plant entrance, which, you know, I didn't know it was a plant entrance. It wasn't marked. It's pretty new. And uh, I just stand there pretty much just looking at it uh, for a couple minutes before a dude drives out of the plant and he pulls over and he's like, Hey, you got a problem? And I was like, yeah, I sure do. Uh, <laughs> But he was a nice guy, uh, pulled over, helped me out, realized what the problem was. Uh, the bushing on top of my windshield wiper was loose, which made it, you know, a lot less effective and not sure where to go. So, you know, he just got out his 13th inch socket from his truck and tightened it for me and went about his day. So, you know, that was awesome. It's it's great to see God laid on strangers to help out those in need. So uh, that was awesome. Uh, Amen. Dr. Sherlin, uh, do you have a God moment for us this week? Um, 
Well, I don't know if it was exactly this week. It hadn't been too long ago, maybe a week or so, <laughs> right. two weeks or so, maybe. That's but um, just recently, um, I went over to Pickens, or uh, excuse me, um, Anderson, easily Anderson area, and picked up a set of books that a, a pastor friend of mine that I'd went to college with. He was in his 60s. He died and um, died from COVID. And um, he had left me a big, large 39 volume set of books and a few other volumes, probably 10 or so others in his library that he wanted me to have. And uh, just brought them back to my library and still haven't got them all shelved yet, but just going through and writing in it and putting who I got them from. And it just makes me appreciate, um, you know, people that the Lord has put in my life like that, that are now with the Lord yeah. and I'm thankful for his ministry. I'm thankful for his kindness and leaving those things there for me to benefit from the rest of my ministry until I see him again in glory Amen. and just thankful for his love for the Lord and thankful for his ministry and thankful that he would think enough of me that while he was dying to tell his wife that he wanted me to have those books. It was kind of special to me that he would yeah. do that. I was very thankful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pastor awesome. Brandon, uh, did you have a God moment for us? Sure. Um, there's a guy in our church, uh, Dr. Sherlin's already said his name. His name is Dakota. And uh, he may listen to this later, so I want to be an encouragement to him too. But so, you know, I preach and teach every Sunday, and you see the flock go up and down, left or right. And I had a pretty tough time with another brother who uh, had been clean for like seven or eight years and just broke my heart. He, he's gone back to his old life and we tried to minister to him and seems like he, he wants to stay there for a little while. So we're really praying for him. And in those moments, you just start to ask, you know, it, am I making a difference, you know, and am I making an impact for the kingdom and how, you know, how, how much am I glorifying God? Am I doing what I'm called to do? And so anyway, I was, um, I left the church Sunday and I had to swing back by the church to drop my wife off at her car. So we'd went to lunch. And when I got back, Dakota was still in the parking lot and I just went over and I talked to him, see how he was doing and, um, see what, you know, uh, what he thought about the sermon and to get some feedback and, and, uh, just his response was just, it was amazing to me what he had been learning and how excited he was. He actually messaged me today and he's like, Hey bro, have you, when's the last time you did a sermon series on the attributes of God? <laughs> and I'm, I was like, I'm not sure if I've ever done one explicitly just on the attributes. And he's like, you might want to do that, man. I'm, I'm in that. And it's, it's really good. And I'm, I'm I'm having a tough time with the aseity of God. And, and this, this is a guy who you need to understand was, I mean, and his wife left him. Keith, what was it, about a year ago now? Probably. At pro about a year ago. Year. He was an alcohol, raging alcoholic. The Lord set him free, and he slipped about a year ago. And he got back into his, his old ways, and his wife was having a really hard time. And she actually left him. And uh, But through the brothers at the church and through counsel and and you know, quite plainly through the providence of God, he was restored and his family now is vibrant. It's so wonderful to see his daughter is coming to our 530 AM systematic theology class with him. And uh, he's yeah. sending me messages about the aseity of God. So that Amen. was just God just saying, brother, just, just keep on moving. I'm not taking credit for that, but I am going to gain encouragement from that to, to say, God hears us and, and he knows when we need some encouragement. That was just super encouraging to me today. And, and if he listens to this, man, I love you. And uh, just keep on plugging away. It's just super encouraging to me and everybody who's witnessing. Yeah. Amen. That's incredible. Awesome. He almost Amen. died, too. He shot one time. He almost died. No, he, he was shot died. six, nine times, six yeah, times. Yeah. What <laughs> oh, did die come back. He, it's a miracle what God has done with Dakota's life. And it's a blessing to watch. It's been so so, so enriching and uh, just a very God moment, so to speak, to watch the Lord work in his life. Yeah, awesome. I'm glad we let uh, Pastor Brandon go last. <laughs> oh, man. So um, real quick, before we end the show, where can people, if they want to hear more from you guys, read more from you guys, anything like that, where can they find you? Uh, Dr. Sherilyn? 
uh, anything you can type in the word Krista community, Christ, the letter I, and the word community. Uh, if you find that, you found my ministry. So anything to do with Krista community. Awesome. Yeah. Short, sweet, to the point. Uh, Pastor Brandon, where can people find you? Uh, they can go to our website, uh, thewell-landrum.com. And all of my sermons, a few from uh, Dr. Sherlin and, and the other elders here at the church, um, most all the sermons are on that website. And, uh, of course, on Facebook, uh, you can uh, look me up, Brandon Corey, uh, on Facebook, and you can see some of my stuff there. But uh, the website has most all of our, uh, our sermons on and we're uh, We've had a podcast for a while, uh, but if you just search The Well Landrum in uh, iTunes, we have a podcast where you can find our sermons too, and and hopefully in the next uh, few months to get uh, this debate uh, taken care of. I think we're going to start doing a weekly podcast as well, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, maybe we'll have you back on to talk about that one day. <laughs> hey guys, thank you so much for all y'all's time. We have one more thing we like to do at the end of the show, so just hang in there for a minute. That's just for our patrons. Right. Uh, so some future guests for the podcast, we're going to have our good friend Ken Hagerman, great guy, great godly guy. Uh, Dr. Oh, yeah. Trimper Longman III, he's written several works. He edited Josh's favorite commentary series and is a professor of biblical studies at Westmont College. Uh, returning guests, uh, Sister Rose of the Catholic Campus Ministries at UNCW, and Father Jonathan of the Holy Trinity Orthodox Church in Charlotte, uh, Greek Orthodox. And, of course, at the end of season one, we are going to have Francis Chan. Yeah, he just doesn't know about it, mm -hmm. but that's fine. Season <laughs> one will last until we get Francis Chan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, thank you for giving your time. Thank you to these two for spending this time with us. And we hope you're back next week for more. And if you want to hear the last segment, you know, slide over to Patreon. Give us a couple dollars. <laughs>